You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. No, it's been a whirlwind. And I think if you have the courage to take advantage of the downside that's taken place, you will make a substantial amount of money in this market. One point of reference of where I'm speaking from is our, la- our company called Keegan Resources was at 575 for three months prior to the 2008 correction, which was a financial collapse, not a virus. I understood those are two entirely different things that have triggered it, but the outcome was very similar. And the share price went to 49 cents from 575. We were in the middle of finding a 5 million ounce gold mine. So there was value behind the company, much like there is with Orange. But what happened preceding the actual drop to 49 cents, in, I feel really bad for a handful of shareholders that panicked and lost their shares because the company went to over $9 per share in 14 months. And, you know, you dream about those returns as an investor. But if you had bought it at 2 or $3 right before that correction happened and you panicked out at 50, 60 cents, that's why I said earlier, you don't want to watch the screen in these downturns. I mean, your biggest defense, and this is for Orin and, and a few other companies out there, is your treasury. We just closed $15 million a few weeks ago, not even a month ago. This is Mining Stock Education, and I am your host, Bill Powers. Thank you for tuning in. Well, in these times of dramatic volatility, international pandemic, uh, with gold stocks crashing, even though the gold price is relatively strong, I've brought to you several perspectives over the last couple days, that of a gold stock fund manager, an Austrian economist, as well as a private investor and newsletter writer. And on today's show, you're going to hear a perspective on current events in the junior gold sector from that of an executive. Someone I look up to and respect, Ivan Bebek, the executive chairman of Oren Resources. The company's website is orenresources.com. The ticker symbol in Toronto and New York is AUG. So, Ivan, welcome back to the show. And as I've uh, observed what different pre-revenue, that being explorers or developers in our sector, have been doing, some of their financings, they've had to close off without closing the final tranche. Others have had to push back financings uh, because their share price now is too low. I saw an explorer that delayed their drill program. With everything that's going on right now, what can you share with the market uh, regarding your perspective and specifically how it affects Warren Resources? Sure, Bill. It's well. Thanks so much for having me. You know, in this in this very volatile time, um, I think you've hit the nail on the head of one of the most powerful assets any company can have is a good treasury. And as you are aware, on February 27th, literally, you know, days before this massive correction and, you know, pandemic kind of got its legs, we we got to a point where, you know, we, we completed a $15 million raise, a second tranche of our funding. You know, a lot of those investors are all of them are, are people whom I respect and, you know, it's, it includes my family and some of our largest supporters. Um, and most certainly, you don't feel good for them in the short term for the price. Uh, I like to finance and trade above that price. However, you know, I think the position it put the company in is one that we'll be able to recover, you know, with a, a pretty steep, steep V, you know, recovery once the market starts to settle down and things start to go in the right direction for us. Um, you know, when you, you see events like this happen, and I'm talking about two things here. One is the pandemic that we're all facing, and the other one is the ending of the longest bull market in history in the Dow. You know, you have to look at these and reflect on experience, and the last major financial crisis we had was 2008. And, you know, the first thing, the best thing you can do if you're not needing liquidity 
um, is to do not look at your stock screen, is to turn turn your computer off for two weeks and you'll probably save half, half your your position in terms of what you might lose if you if you're in or capital preservation mode and what i mean by that is you know we are not drilling we're not doing any high cost items but uh, we're very fortunate that we have some pretty significant catalysts in particular we've done a pea which is a scoping study on the value of of um homestake ridge and this is something we've worked on for the past few months it's something you can work on from the desktop because um you know it's it's something that you're, you're crunching numbers and you're trying to figure out and build a mining scenario on an asset and give the audience a perception of value of what it could be um, we should have this released within the next week to 10 days possibly you know on the early side of that and on the following that we talked a lot about our targeting breakthrough last year at committee bay um, you know committee bay is a bull market gold project as i talked to you today gold's up 35 dollars. we're at 1544 gold i think gold will go into the very right direction and you know i'm looking forward to seeing how many big targets we have up there for one time when the gold you know starts to, starts to perform and come back now What's more important, though, is everyone's health and safety. And, you know, we took measures last week. Uh, basically, as soon as governments were taking measures or even before that locally, we gave our employees the option to work from home and be with their families, uh, both in Canada and in Peru. And so, you know, it, it does change things on a physical basis. But thanks to this wonderful thing called technology and the Internet, we can all work remotely and be equally effective. And, you know, I, I support that with our culture that's developed quite well. There's a lot of trust and and there's still a lot of efficiency that goes on when we're, we're not all in the same room. Um, in Peru, you've seen some major lockdowns by the government. They've closed all borders. You're not allowed to travel amongst Peru. You know, I've seen, you know, the photos of bare streets there. And this is how they are getting ahead of the virus. They've had very few cases, but they don't want it to become a major problem in country. So they've locked the country down before it's a problem, which is, you know, I think that's a, you know incredibly smart move, very preemptive on their part. Deal with the virus before it's a problem, not once your cases start spreading and having piles of cases. Um, the good news is that two-week lockdown should end towards the end of this month, early April, and it'll put us back to work sometime in April um, should all things, you know, resume back to normal life, and we think they will. Um, you know, I personally plan to go and be in Peru the day after they unlock borders and, and go to both our projects. But, you know, it's been a whirlwind, and I think if you have the courage to take advantage of the downside that's taken place, you will make a substantial amount of money in this market, um, you know, provided that you have comfort with your own personal safety and health, you know, there. And one point of reference of where I'm speaking from is our, la our company called Keegan Resources was at 575 for three months prior to the 2008 correction, which was a financial collapse, not a virus. Uh, understood those are two entirely different things that have triggered it, but the outcome was very similar. And the share price went to 49 cents from 575. Um, it, we were in the middle of finding a 5 million ounce gold mine. So there was value behind the company, much like there is with Orin and Homestake Ridge's advanced asset that you'll see shortly, as well as the ounces at Committee Bay that we have. But what happened preceding the actual drop to 49 cents, in, I feel really bad for a handful of shareholders that 
panicked and lost their shares because the company went to over $9 per share in 14 months. And, you know, you dream about those returns as an investor, but if you had bought it at two or $3 right before that correction happened and you panicked out at 50, 60 cents, that's why I said earlier, you don't want to watch the screen in these downturns. I mean, your biggest defense, and this is for Orin and, and a few other companies out there, is your treasury. We just closed $15 million a few weeks ago, not even a month ago, from as I sit here today. You know, at the time Keegan went down to 49 cents, it had $8 million, and we shut all drilling operations down at the time. So the experience we have as a management group going through financial crisis is one that we can be very fiscally responsible, um, you know, as, as far as opportunities and catalysts to kind of keep people interested regardless whether there was this pandemic virus or a correction in the Dow, the PA on Homestake is something I've been really looking forward to for some time now. So I think it's going to give us a lot of on the value proposition side of the company. Regarding the Peruvian government's uh, national emergency, which they declared, I noticed this morning that Freeport MacMoran um, is putting their big mine, Cerro Verde, on a temporary 15-day care and maintenance. Does that have any impact on what you're doing in Peru right now? You know, um, I'm glad you brought that up. I see that Yanacocha, which is Newmont's, has also gone the same direction, and they don't really have a choice. You know, the government's calling out the rules, and they're protecting people. Um, you know, exploration is much more like a light switch. You can turn it on and off, especially the way at the stage we're at. You know, we had a, a crew of geologists at Curibaya, and they were taking samples. And, you know, and we pulled them all in as soon as this virus had to outbreak. And it was by rule and law of Peru to do that. But we were doing it anyway. Um, I think with Freeport and Newmont and several other mines in Peru, there's going to be a lot of this care and maintenance that will go on. Um, this will probably impact a shortage in commodity production, you know, and, and, and that's the silver lining on it. Um, at the same time, you know, it's a lot easier, as I said, to turn on and off an exploration project than it is to turn on and off a mine. So that being said, I think the impact is is positive on the commodity sense. Um, socially, I think that it's we're all dealing with the same social worries, whether it's in Peru, Canada, or the U.S. We all want to be responsible during this virus. And I think in remote locations where mines occur, if there's any kind of outbreak there of symptoms, there's a lot more risk. But I'm quite sure Freeport, Newmont, and some of the other major miners in Peru are taking all the right measures. And if they don't have production for some time, I think, or if it reduces, you'll see an improvement in the copper price, which would be, you know, something we'd welcome. And I think at the same time that once things settle down, they'll probably resume back to work pretty quick, but not as quick as, an, as we will. Ivan, you run Oren Resources as an investor, not just as an executive, because you're highly invested. And I believe at this share price, in Canadian terms, where the share price is a little over a dollar, isn't that even less than your average cost basis for the shares that you bought? Yeah, you know what, um, good point. Um, I own about 5 million shares. I think I'm a 30, 40,000 shares short. My average cost on the entire position, including my seed shares factored in, is around $1.25 per share Canadian. So it's about a $7 million investment for myself personally, of which I bought about half of that in the open market at a lot higher prices. And so I take the long-term view and I look at the opportunities in front of us. And this is a very important statement whether it's a pandemic or a financial crisis or the share price gets cut in half or down 80%, the rocks don't change. The opportunities at Sombrero don't change or Curibaya or in our Canadian projects, you know, that they just have to wait a bit longer and waiting is, is time and money. 
And so on that basis, because we are really well situated financially with this recent $15 million financing, you know, I think it's a highly enviable position for, for the industry to be in, you know, because um, not only do we have the quality of the exploration assets that could drive tremendous value once the market sells down, but it could also uh, give us a staying power. You know, if we really had to lock things down, we could probably last three years to plus on this treasury. Like we could stretch it and shut things, mothball things. Um, I, I hope we don't go there. Um, I, I do care a lot about the share price on a daily basis. I think that's quite obvious to our audience and you know, I'll say thank you to the patient shareholders thank you to the ambitious ones who have been buying out there and for anybody that's worried and thinking about panicking or selling or, or feels that uncomfortableness that it could go down a lot further you know anything's possible but my advice to you is, is as I said earlier just be patient and let things settle down before you make a decision. The reason why I would ask for your patience is because the company's funded. And if you're thinking of adding more shares at this lower price than your average cost, I mean, we're going to give you a lot of reasons in the coming weeks and months to do that. Um, you know, I think the flip side of worrying about what just happened or is happening is to think more positively about what might happen next. And if history has any way of repeating itself, and I have to emphasize this on the 08 financial crisis, you know, we're coming out of the 10-year bull market. We're in a financial crisis, whether this virus hit or not. This was due to happen. Everyone knew that globally. The, the leverage into the, into the economies was, was quite substantial. You know, I think what we're looking forward to is with all this QE and, and all of the, the the rate cuts that are happening, we're going to look forward to a lot of, you know, money being printed. We're going to look forward to an inflationary environment and we're going to look forward to a massive move in the gold price. And if you listen to Goldman Sachs, uh, Morgan Stanley and, and Citibank, they've all put out $1,800, $2,000 gold targets, you know, and I think those guys are usually more conservative and they're usually later, not leaders. You know, I think Canadian wise, we've always led that, but um, you have to listen. You know, when those guys are calling for that market, these are smart, smart guys that, that do get it right, usually on the gold space when I call it. And uh, so I think, I think we're in good shape. We're definitely seeing the fundamentals to support that. On the copper side, this is an interesting proposition. You know, if copper stays below 250 for a period of three weeks or more, I understand that some of the major mining companies will have to shut down some of their copper mines. It's just protocol. And so if that were to happen and we were to put a, a considerable supply crunch on copper, as we're doing all these financial stimulus packages into the economy, which will likely be put towards infrastructure on major new airports and other things to stimulate growth and whatnot, you know, you're going to see a, a pretty, pretty perfect storm for the copper market. And this would be all leading into the two-year cliff that we're headed towards in copper production. You know, so I, I want to go from worrying about the day-to-day -day market to thinking a bit bigger picture. And this is the enlightening part of what we're going to talk about next is have you been paying attention to what's happening in China since the coronavirus hit them? Yeah, the economy's down, what was it, 6%, I believe, the latest numbers? They're down 6%, but all the Apple stores are open. Starbucks is open. They have actually resuming sporting events. You know, the, the recovery in China is substantial from where it was 30 to 60 days ago, right? It's back to business, and they got a really good handle on it. They did a great job to quarantine pretty fast, but... 
They've opened all the Apple stores, all the Starbucks are open, and they're resuming sporting events. Life has gone back to normal to some extent. They're being very cautious with people coming from Europe or countries that have issue, and they do take your temperature quite often going forward to make sure if you seem like you could be infected, they don't want to have a repeat event. But, you know, I, I think we're going to see a really speedy recovery you know, once we get through peak kind of exposure. And the U.S. is actually taking some really good measures as of lately. I believe they locked down San Francisco and New York, scaled back, and it will have, you know, recessionary impact for sure. And I think this is why you saw gold, you know, in, in the first part of a short recession, you see liquidity as a challenge. And we saw it from margin calls and fear. And as opposed to buying gold, people kind of went to go and cover their margins and sell it. And so, you know, looking back at a, at a chart from what happened in 2008, when that financial crisis hit, gold went, was, was on an uptrend until that happened. And then it hit the downtrend and went down a few hundred dollars or a hundred dollars plus, just like it did here, but it didn't sell off as hard as the Dow. And then it went on its most incredible run it ever had in history through basically $1,900 gold after that. And uh, so I think what we have to look at is we, we've got to get back to work. We've got to get past the virus. That's probably within 30 to 60 days. When that starts to happen, I think the next market, the next bull market we're all going to see is going to be a bull market in commodities. And, you know, I think, you know, the stimulus packages are going to be incredibly good for copper and base metals. And I think as far as inflationary measures that will happen from the QE and whatnot will be uh, will be largely felt in the gold price. So, you know, my advice to everyone right now is, including myself, is just be calm, be patient, and don't act irrational. Don't do knee-jerk responses. And, uh, you know, if you can stomach 30 to 60 days of waiting for this to kind of pass over, then great. Now, there is a flip side to optimism. We, we, we would have to, you know, to have some realism in our lives, we'd have to consider it. What if this virus gets worse? What if the world gets into a bigger tailspin? You know, and I think our problems are, are much bigger than worrying about, you know, your, your, your stock portfolio. Specifically regarding Sombrero, is the timeline pushed back and what percentage of catalysts at that project that you were expecting to accomplish will you still be able to accomplish this year? So in terms of the timeline, um, because Peru closed for two weeks, you know, it's no question it's pushed back uh, at least two weeks. And, you know, I, I will say that there's likely a positive outcome from that. And that would be that, you know, the, the impact economically of shutting down Peru for two weeks is probably going to be pretty substantial, much like it will be around the world with how things have shut down. And I think that we might be in a better position to push for easier permitting, you know, advancements. I think people socially will look for jobs and work to resume. So there might be some positive outcomes that although we lost two weeks, we get a better timeline towards completing our final permit that we're working on for Sombrero. You know, as, as far as what's happening in the background for us, we've been talking to neighboring communities that we've been waiting for two plus years to get access to. And they've been, you know, that, that's been progressing extremely well. So what we're hoping to achieve from a permitting perspective is access to more community, communities post this lockdown in Peru and potentially, and very, you know, hypothetically or potentially speculatively, we're looking for potentially improved permitting laws and rules and timelines in Peru. And, you know, this could work as, as a very helpful thing for companies like ours that are 
at the tail end of the permitting process. Will we complete our catalyst for this year, drilling Sombrero and possibly uh, getting a permit to drill Kuribaya? I think those two things are highly plausible. I wouldn't make the commitment to drilling Sombrero if I don't know what the markets are. I mean, if we're in yesterday's market or last week's market, it would be crazy to spend your treasury drilling because you wouldn't be paid for it, right? And I, I think the way we're gonna behave this year is fiscally responsible, is what I want people to think about in terms of the large expenditures. We're going to monitor it on a close-by basis. Right now, we have a few months to get through permitting, so it's gonna give us time before any big costs get incurred with us. And then I think on the backside of that, you know, we can evaluate where we're at once we have the drill permits in hand. And I'm gonna be an optimist, as I always am, and I think that in you know 30 to 90 days, we're looking at a, at a pretty good recovery in the commodity side of the market. And I think you know getting more capital or, or making the decision to go drilling you know middle of the year, going into the second half of the year, I, I think it's a very good possibility we're going to go that way. The only caveat I'll put is if it's not good out there, we're going to be patient and protect our dilution and maintain our shareholder base until that time presents itself. So, you know, as an investor, I, I want to see those drills turn. I, I've waited four and a half years, like most other investors here, to see a, a rewarding outcome from this company that's not a double or a triple, but something substantial, like 10 or 20 times the, the current share price. Um, huge check mark on getting those assets that could deliver that. But at the same time, you know, the timing of drilling that is, is either going to be spectacular and it's going to be soon on the recovery of these these commodity markets, or we're going to have to wait a bit longer for that to happen. As long as that's the kind of opportunity at the end of the drill bit, I don't mind waiting. You've talked about Committee Bay, your project in northern Canada, and you've revised your targeting, but I've also heard you talk about the project as like trying to find a needle in a haystack. Um, what's the plan with that project, and would you consider even divesting that at the current time? Uh, Committee Bay is one of my favorite swings for major high-grade gold deposits uh, on the planet. And, you know, it, it, it's a place 300 kilometers long with high-grade gold everywhere. And, you know, it's the needle in the haystack. It's risk versus reward, right? If you can find the needle, you're going to make a fortune. And if you can't find the needle, it's going to be expensive and tough. And you might lose, I mean, more of a fortune. We've already spent a lot of money there to get here. I'd say that I think that modest exploration programs, $5 million budgets in smaller drill programs is something that's very palatable to go there three or four more times to see if you can find the needle. Um, our technical team you know, has been exhausted with it in a good way, and also it's been really tough on them personally, you know, emotionally to keep going up there and, and not hitting the home run, but getting closer each time. They, they, they said to me, look, as long as we have a new idea to try up there and we're not repeating the same thing, we will go. And that is important. I mean, we have an incredibly new breakthrough. And is this the solution to get to those needles? And can we find more than one needles in that haystack, right? So again, I love the project. You know, would I sell the, would we sell the project? I mean, for the right price, everything's for sale. Um, would we merge it with another asset? Possibly, you know, there's a lot to decide there. I think in, in our minds, we've talked recently about splitting the company into two or three entities, Canada and then two Peruvian entities. 
um, you know, that's something that makes sense based on the, the demographic or the geographic location of where these projects are, as well as the commodities that they represent. But Committee Bay is something that I, I would personally take swings on for a few more years to come. I think it's it's worth it. I think there's a lot of value to come out of there. And, you know, as we're seeing gold improve now, you know, recently up to 1700, but today on its way back to that direction, you know, I'm, I'm considering a, a $2,000 plus gold market. You know, what's a five to 10 million ounce, six, seven gram gold deposit at Committee Bay worth, right? And, you know, a lot of people would re- rebuttal would be, well, look what happened to TMAC and or others up there, Melodyne, there's been some issues. But, you know, I think that for the most part, it's a lot of people have learned a lot of hard mistakes of mining in the Arctic ahead of us. And I think finding the metal and by the time it would get to a production state, there's probably going to be somebody like Ignico Eagle that has a really good handle on how to do this in an efficient, you know, profitable manner. Um, it's not easy to find big gold deposits anymore. It isn't. And, you know, markets aside, we've looked hard. We've looked hard for several years here. And, you know, it's to find a sombrero we've in Warren is, is once in a lifetime. You know, Curibaya is spectacular. It's early. We don't have enough conviction for the market yet to see it. That And we're just speculating. But these aren't easy to find. Those kind of grades at Curibaya, the kind of volume of metal and, and grades that might occur at Sombrero, you know, having the other half of this major copper belt, these things are really hard to find and they're going to get harder to find as we go back towards this commodity market. The world needs to spend billions more on exploration or else the world's going to run out of metal. And, you know, you look at, you know, the planet itself. We all want a green planet. Well, if any of you are thinking green planet, you got to think copper because that's the, the major commodity you need for anything electrical that's going to occur going forward. And we strongly believe in electrification of the planet, you know, in the future to run cleaner energy, right? Uh, outside of that, you know, the world is quite dated. There are a lot of dated infrastructures. You know, I've, I travel quite a bit and I see cranes everywhere I go. Um, the world will be refurbished or renovated, you know, per se, to keep it real simple. And I think that whole process there is is one that, you know, people have to look at and say, well, where are they going to get all the metal for that? You know, the, the world has issues with food supply. It has issues with climate change, but it's running out of metal. And when I say metal, I'm saying high quality mines that can supply a lot of metal to accommodate the demand of seven and a half billion people growing on the planet. Ivan, in our last interview, we talked about how uh, you and your team have been excellent at maximizing wealth creation through discovery. So dividing up Orin with your many projects into three different companies in order to maximize the valuation of each of them in terms of market cap and potential bio price, that completely makes sense to me. But a potential investor objection you could get would be, well, what about your GNA costs? Because then you significantly increased your GNA. Uh, what would be your response here? In terms of should we go that route and market conditions would obviously be a factor and in, in making that decision um gna actually gets better per entity because right now you know if you look at it as three companies in one you have the burn rate of three companies in one right and if you split it into three you're going to have your independent burn rate per entity so that that, that would that would change a lot as far as the extra cost well you know whether it's our technical team myself you know other members of management we're not going to take three salaries 
We're going to take one salary. Maybe it's bumped up a, a modest amount to manage all three. And we're going to try to spread ourselves out across all three so each company can pay you know, a fraction of one salary versus paying three independent salaries. So this is where it works tremendously in our favor. And and I think, you know, what we, we are trying to design as a group in this market and the markets to come is how can we improve our ratio considerably of money into the ground? Um, $100 million we raised, uh, now it's 115, but 100 million we've raised and spent. 80% of that money went into the ground and to these projects and acquisitions and 20% was for GNA and, and marketing, right? And we've had a, a reasonably or extremely well-performing share price in terms of liquidity and some good price movements through that. And it's given us the ability to raise a lot of capital at very good prices from the marketing side. But the number of 80%, we think we can improve on that. And without taking complete salary cuts to zero across the entire team i mean people work that they, they need to get paid something you know you know there's there's other ways to do it and you know when you get onto an exploration project and and you get a discovery i mean finding the discovery is a two-part process the first part of the process is um in dealing with you know th- exploration when you go out there to um to go and explore things, it's not a 12 month of the year round the clock job for these geologists, right? It, it usually takes about two to three months to get something target and drill ready and permit ready. And then you get a bit of a lag time through permits and wait to go drilling. Um, for us to be able to split our technical team across multiple entities and be adequately managed, you know, that's something that would be a very obvious way to spread efficiency, right? Um, we looked at a bit of the math and we looked at our current burn rate. Our burn rate is, is roughly about five to, to five and a half million, uh, quite a bit less with current market conditions. But if you split our company into three, you know, and, and under the math we've been looking at, you'd look at about a two and a half million dollar burn rate for Sombrero entity. Uh, about a two million dollar burn rate for the Kiribati entity, and Canada would be a million dollars or less. It'd be it'd be quite substantially lower, and you know I think you know again, however we can get more money into the ground because that's how we're going to pay shareholders. Whatever we can do, whatever measures we can take, um, and if we can create more opportunities for to win for shareholders than one out of a company with multiple great assets, you know I think that that would be a substantial achievement for us for our shareholders and uh, and that's what we're going to work towards doing. And Ivan, in a recent interview with Rick Rule that I had, he said he'll tolerate up to twenty five percent of an explorer or developer's uh, budget going into GNA if if they're of course quality. So even if you're only at twenty percent right now, and I know some of your critics uh, talk about the marketing dollars you spend in order to make more people aware of the opportunity. But you're well within even what he considers reasonable. Yeah, you know what? Um, when we did the big year at Committee Bay, we raised and spent forty million dollars in one year, and ninety percent was our ratio into the ground into the projects. Ten percent was GNA and marketing, right? And what we're looking at here in terms of um, in terms of the marketing and GNA budget is: do you have something to say? Absolutely. We have a ton to say, so it's worth doing, you know, as far as, um, you know, the uh, the actual outcome of marketing dollars. Again, our report card of doing financings at incredibly less dilutive prices, but more importantly, getting some of the best natural resource investors in the world. You know, I think that's that's something we all have to be really, really, really proud of. And and so, you know, I think Rick's got a good point. Um, we buy our stock as insiders for the most part, whereas a lot of other people use marketing dollars to sell their stock. And, and I think that's where he was also coming from. And, and 
other interviews I've heard, right? So, you know, if you look at all of our financings, insiders have participated in all of them. Um, I've been a large open market buyer in the past. Um, can only go so far because I don't sell stock, you know, and so I think, you know, as far as we go, we're, we're really proud of how we've managed ourselves financially, uh, marketing perspective, and we have a lot to say. Well, as we conclude, Ivan, any final thoughts? No, I think, I think, um, as we were doing this interview, gold was up $20. It was going up through the whole interview. And I think it's it, it's nice to see that, you know, the commodity market can react the way it should once the panic kind of subsides and look forward to a massive recovery, not just in the commodity markets, but in our share price. I think we're going to have the main drivers to do that. And I think, you know, if you are nervous about it, Turn the screen off until things calm down. And if you're brave enough and you like to take advantage of, you know, irrational sell-offs that that are extreme, then this is your chance. But um, you know, just re- remember that there was about fifteen million dollars was was done at a dollar sixty Canadian was financed there less than a month ago, and so you're you're getting a really good discount to where that money was purchased. The website is orinresources.com. I am a shareholder, and the company's ticker is AUG in Toronto or New York. As always, Ivan, I appreciate your insights. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you so much, Bill. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. 
If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.